Welcome in everyone to the 49th episode of the oh. Deep Dive Dynasty Podcast. Only a couple days late. We are your hosts, Toby and Colin. Toby, how has your week been? My week has been extremely busy. Yeah, Getting ready too. for this episode. <laughs> Just nonstop film. That's it. There was it's over all 40 hours. Skip school for it. <laughs> all for two players. <laughs> two players is who we're going to be talking about in this week's episode of our rookie spotlight series. We're going to go into the wide receivers, a couple of bigger outside threats. Terrace Marshall and Tamori and Terry. Let's get into it, Toby. Started off right off the bat with Terrence Marshall. How do you view him? <sighs> Terrence Marshall. I thought about what I could call him. I thought I might call him an unknown commodity, but I feel like it's a little misleading because as a commodity, if you draft him, he is an absolutely amazing wide receiver that has all the talent in the world. He's one of those fantastic combinations of speed and size. He's been a five-star recruit, offered five different full-ride scholarships to various schools. But more interestingly, before I get into him, is kind of his story. is that he was part of that LSU Tigers team that mm-hmm. had not only Jamar Chase, we've already spoken about, but also Justin Jefferson. Yeah, He was, I guess, quote-unquote, you know, that, that leftover guy. Yeah, he, he was, was just clearly the third option. Clearly the third option, and still a lethal third option, mm-hmm. but still not better than those other two prospects. And I'm not saying that he's better than those other two prospects, but when he finally had the time this year, 2020, you know, obviously he didn't play a ton of games, so it's a smaller sample size, but he balled out. He showed that because of his speed-size combination... Because when he was the alpha of the offense, he could make moves down the field. He, despite not being the most refined route runner, is able to use his size and his football IQ to his advantage. I felt like he was on the same page with his quarterback the whole time. And, I mean, quarterback play aside, he was putting himself in the position to get balls thrown to him a lot. And Terrence Marshall, sorry. I do this a lot in my head. I call him Terrence. His name is Terrace, and I apologize. I agree, actually. I, I is, searched his name a few times this week. It my is bad. Terrace. Terrace Marshall, to me, in terms of draft prospects, reminds me a lot of Denzel Mims. I know you loved Mims, so that's a pretty solid I really, call. I really loved Mims, and I view Terrace Marshall differently. I feel that Mims had a lot more production as a number one type of guy that I was more confident in his production, whereas Terrace Marshall... It's not unknown, but it's a little bit more of a mystery to me how teams will view him and use him. You know, if you could take a, honestly, even a New York Jets offense might be reaching for a guy like this, or not reaching, but they're going to draft a guy like this where they think, ah, his value is going to be pretty low. I would take him in the second with full confidence. Okay. I think he's, he's, he has the caliber to be a second round right receiver. And I think it just depends on if teams view that and understand it, that just because you have these other unbelievable talents playing ahead of him doesn't mean that you should view him as a wide receiver number three. Not that other teams do, but if he gets to go into an offense where instead of having to work his way up from, uh, I was, you know, a third round draft pick, mm-hmm. if I was a high second round draft pick, even end of first round draft pick, and I get to start playing wide receiver two, he's going to have almost an immediate impact on the field. I'm, I'm very excited for what this guy has to do. He's really interesting, and like you said, he does feel like a little bit of an enigma, and I understand, obviously because you're not reading reports, that you might think this is the type of guy who potentially could be a great value because he was buried behind two insane talents for most of his career, but scouting and the NFL is a little too smart for that. They see 
the talent that is emerging beneath two absolute studs. And Terrace Marshall really was very productive, not only last year in that insane offense, but also he played about half of a year this year and on a much worse offense. Without the insane talent around him, he really did step up and had a pretty crazy amount of that target share within the 2020 offense. And this, you know, you could call this his breakout year, but it was expected that he would do this well, is I mm-hmm. think the athlete that he is. Yeah, by, by technical measures, he broke out last year, but it was important to see him step out of the shadow from behind yeah. Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Let's talk about a little bit of his measurables and also his statistics. So first of all, he is 6'3", 200. And I honestly feel like if you asked me, what is your perfect size i would genuinely say you know two six two six three and probably right around 200 pounds like that he is the perfect size wide receiver he's exactly what you want and his age which is also something that i really like is only 20.8 years of age right now so he's gonna enter the draft play his first season as a 21 year old that's great you know he's not one of these guys who is a senior bowl 23 24 year old guy You're still getting him pretty young, and if he hits, you can have a very long career out Mm -hmm. of Terrace Marshall. Like I said, with that crazy target share in his final year, he had a college dominator rating of 46.5%, which is in the 92nd percentile. That's obviously talking about his final year and only the games where he was in the lineup because he clearly was not demanding an incredible amount of those targets at that time and it was the 2019 season where he broke out and his breakout age is 19.2 which is again very good it's in the 86th percentile pretty damn good Mm -hmm. so he came into college in 2018 and didn't have anything too crazy over nine games he had 12 receptions he had a good yards per reception but clearly he wasn't a huge part of the offense then in that insane 2019 lsu joe burrow offense over 12 games he had 46 receptions, so still, you're only talking about four a game as that number three option, but that was for 671 yards and 13 touchdowns. That's the one area where he has always excelled, and it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. at that 6'3", 200 range. Did he get 10 this year or the year before as well? 10 this year. So 13 last year. Putting up double-digit touchdowns any year, Mm -hmm. especially in a year like this this past year, in fact. So in 2020, seven games, he had 48 targets, so almost seven a game, and that was for 731 yards, which was 15.2 yards per carry. All three of his seasons, he was floating right around 15 yards per carry, which is very good, and 10 receiving touchdowns, as you already mentioned. What is especially impressive about his 15.2 yards per carry this year is Justin Jefferson obviously left, and with him, the slot position that Jefferson excelled at in college came available. So Terrace Marshall actually moved positions. Of course, you look at a big guy like that, you think he's playing out wide. In 2020, over 73% of the time, he was playing out of the slot the same way that Jefferson was the year before. And what you love to see is that he excelled at both. He can be that auxiliary outside receiver, and he can be that guy in the slot who can play that big slot role where he can eat up a lot of targets and in either one of those two roles he was used in the red zone which is especially important for his fantasy value going forward like we already said he is a very big receiver and 
I think what's really important is that he not only is just big, but he has very good athleticism. His pro day hasn't happened yet. LSU is coming up fairly soon, and I expect him to put up some good numbers. He will be a good athlete for his size. You can clearly see it on tape. I love the strength that he has at the early points in his routes. He loves to get his hands on the defenders, and anytime he's getting pressed, he can break through those DBs with ease, and you saw that a lot out of the slot that with his impressive footwork for his size and ability to blast through a defender who's trying to cover him close, he can get open with ease, and like you mentioned, he has pretty good separation. I was impressed with the amount of separation he could get at his size. He's Mm -hmm. not an elite route runner, but he's pretty good. Very impressed with a lot of the nuance of the game that he already is fairly comfortable with. I also saw, especially in 2019, he was very willing and quite effective as a blocker out wide. They asked him to go out wide a lot, and he definitely succeeded in that role. One negative thing I saw about him, and I saw this a lot, that when I was looking up other people's scouting reports, and I think the biggest knock on him, there was a lot of reports of him not putting in a ton of effort. There's a lot of plays where the ball wasn't going to him, and you could see that He clearly just wasn't as into it. A lot of that blocking, like I was talking about, he wasn't putting in the same amount of effort. I didn't notice that as much as other people seem to, but one thing I did notice is when he had the ball in his hands, not when he's running routes because he's quite physical in his routes, but once he had the ball and he was going upfield, I wanted him to use that size more and engage in contact. And I found that rather than doing that, he was quite avoidant of tacklers, like If he knew he wasn't going to get positive yardage, it was almost like a quarterback where he was very willing to go down to avoid taking a big hit. And maybe that really was just him knowing that, okay, this 2020 season is going nowhere for LSU and I got to prepare myself for the NFL. But it is a knock against him that he might not have that same drive that some people have. Toby, I know you love your player comps and wide receiver is a position where I do think it can be helpful My favorite player comp for this guy is Marvin Jones. Mm, Okay. I expect the most likely scenario for where he will end up is being a team's number two or number three receiver, playing on the outside, just like Marvin Jones did for a long time on the opposite side of someone like Kenny Galladay. And I think he can excel in that role. And like Marvin Jones, one area where he can really excel is in the red zone. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's transition now to the... Second wide receiver we're going to be talking about today, another big guy. He's out of Florida State University. What do you think about Tomaria Terry? I can't even call him just another big guy. This is the big guy. I mean, he's 6'4", 203, and he plays like it. When I first started watching him, and again, this is a bit of a narrative, but I first started watching him, I thought, man, it's like A.J. Brown. This man is like A.J. Brown. And then I kind of downgraded a bit to... (laughs) It's more like Mike Williams, you know, still a great athlete. Um, it's just a crazy fact about him, okay? Thanks. So Tamarion Taylor had nine Not touchdowns. Tamarion Terry, nine touchdowns last season. Guess the average yards per catch of these nine touchdowns. I read it. Damn. I read this stat. It's like 55 57.8. <laughs> yeah. So Terry proved himself to be an absolutely lethal deep threat. Mm-hmm. When you go and look up highlight videos, it's scary Terry the deep threat, okay? I don't know how 
Mr. McLaurin feels about his name being taken away. I, I believe he hates that name, so maybe he'll great. graciously great. give it up. Yeah. I find he's a really hard prospect to evaluate because when I watch him on tape, I get so excited. And I think this guy is super awesome. What's different from watching his highlight film, because he ha- he holds the school record for more than, I can't remember the exact number, but it's most 70-yard-plus touchdowns. Yeah. This is a guy who you can throw a wide receiver screen to, and he'll make a couple moves, and he's just so large, and his strides are so huge mm-hmm. that he's beating guys down the field. You watch the full tape. This is a guy who significantly st- struggles with drops, and... Largely, I don't focus on the drops that much because like, some guys have the yips in college and they don't have it in the NFL and sometimes they just face out of it. He struggles with drops to the point that I would be worried. I get it, yeah. He struggles with the breaking point in his route. If he's running a nine route and he's just scorching down the field, he's great. You know, a little double move, set, sure. set the guys up. I mean, oh my goodness, he's fantastic. You need to only look at that 57.8-yard stat per touchdown. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I did go and read a lot of analysts saying that he lacks a lot of good athletic measurables, which is really surprising to me because he does look like a beast out there, and he's going to go and tower over corners in the NFL, even, even at the elite level. But he is lacking significantly in a top gear speed, which again, I read that, it kind of surprised me with his burst score that was published even from, wasn't from his pro day, but it was from other analysts, lower than expected, which surprised me. His hands surprised me enough that I understand why he is not touted as a first or second round draft pick. His tape alone is exciting enough that he's going to get drafted. Of course. Absolutely yeah. no question. Like, you you can watch this guy just absolutely torch guys for so long, and he's so huge, and he looks really fast at catching these deep balls. When you transition to the NFL, you need to be adept at more than just one thing. I think he is like a Henry Ruggs, except Henry Ruggs was faster, and that's where it's an issue is that I, I look at his tape and I'm super excited and I want him on my team. And then I think of how I felt watching Henry Ruggs being just as excited, but Henry Ruggs kind of had that X factor of being, oh, he's not just fast. Like he is more than this. He is a superlative of this. So just to pour some water on that comparison though, Tim Terry is way bigger than Henry Ruggs. That's, that's kind of his X factor is that He's just monstrous. I mean, he's 6'4", 6'4", 203, and he plays like that again. When I when I first looked at him, he looks like A.J. Brown out there. Mm-hmm. He's going to tower over defenders. He, he is much larger. And this one, it just strikes me as not a gut feeling, but watching enough of you know these big, tall guys that don't break out at the next NFL level just because they don't have more refined athletic measurables that stand out that are super important when scouting wide receivers. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy go early fourth round. I know I kind of was saying that before. This guy will go in the fourth round. I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll be a fourth rounder. And I think the reason that is, is because teams will look at his route tree and say, you know, if we need a guy to run the nine, this is our guy. He's huge. He's fast. He's done it a lot, done it consistently well. But the path for him becoming like an alpha wide receiver or a useful dynasty asset is going to be, I would say, two to three years down the line. And because it's going to take him 
way longer than, for example, Terrace Marshall. He's going to make an impact on your fantasy team way before this guy, I would say. Way before Terry. And because of that, I am less hot on him. Which it really sucks to say because I watch his tape and I, he really excites me. And, you mm-hmm. know, I can see in a rookie draft when I'm looking at him and three other kind of smaller guys who seem like well-rounded athletes, I might go, oh, do I want this guy? And I, well, that's something that I would need to talk to my co-dynasty owner, Colin Winship, about. <laughs> yeah, that'd be me. And usually, I talk you off the cliff from taking your favorite exciting dudes. That's usually how it goes. Okay, so you were talking about his athletic measurables. On the 22nd, just a few days ago, he did have his pro day. So yeah. he is 207. He is 6'4". So those are great things to see. And he, he ran a 445, right? Yes, a 444 slash 445 is okay. what it's listed as. And that's not bad, especially for his yeah, his yeah, weight and great. height. If, if you look at wide receiver speed scores, and it isn't a super predictive measurement like it is for running backs... But just comparatively, I don't know the exact percentile, but I know that Mike Williams, for example, who ran a 4.59 and was less than 10 pounds heavier than him was in around the 90th percentile. So you already know. Tamar and Terry is probably 95th plus percentile in that alone. No one who is that big can run that fast. And I must say, I expected him to run even faster. What I find really interesting about him is... He has insane top end speed. He has that next level gear where he's already running and he doesn't hit his top speed quickly. It takes a little bit extra. He's like Derrick Henry just in that way. Fully burns by people. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And so honestly, the 40 yard dash probably isn't the best measurement for him to win at. Like if you were looking at like a 200 sure. meter, that's where he beat people. But the 40 yard dash is where it matters way more for NFL. There's a reason yeah. the 40 is what matters because. He's not the quickest guy. He's just insanely fast at that totally high end. Again, I'll go into my comp before I get into, of course, the statistics and everything. I think the most likely scenario for the type of guy he's going to turn into is Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Ooh, that is a scary comp. But they're the same size, they're yeah. the same speed, and their number one issue drops is the exact same. I actually think it's a pretty good comparison. I actually thought you were going to say Martavis Bryant, which would be a pretty similar comp. (laughs) It's possible, yeah. I I always am trying to create comps that are current NFL players because then everyone can relate to them. But yeah, Martavis Martavis makes sense. He can come back any day. Yeah, he probably is trying. (laughs) (laughs) And the NFL is promptly saying no. Ah, Poor guy. So let's talk his stats a little bit first. We know he's 6'4", and he's... 207 and his age which is a little bit different from Terrace Marshall he has already had his 23rd birthday which is not ideal he's a little bit older I wish he was a bit younger and looking at his college dominator it is a 36.3 on that Florida State team which is pretty solid not bad and his yards per reception of course is very good you already know that Toby was talking about especially when he was getting those touchdowns they were usually on massive breakaway runs his breakout age is 20.5 which is not ideal it's at the 51st percentile so he's straight average if only he was a little bit younger i'd be extra excited for him he has three seasons of decent production in 2018 when he broke out as a 20 year old over 12 games he had 35 receptions which 
you look at that and you're like, that's not that many. It's three per game. But he had 744 yards, which is 21.3 yards per reception and eight touchdowns over those 12 games. Then in 2019, over 13 games, he had 60 receptions for 1,188 yards and nine touchdowns. But then his stats do not look that good in 2020. He only played six games and then he cut the season short because of a knee injury. And by all reports, he also played all of those six games when dealing with this nagging knee injury. So it definitely contributed to the significant downturn his stats took in 2020. He had 23 receptions over those six games for 289 yards, which was only 12.6 yards per reception, a huge downturn from what it was before, and only one touchdown. So he clearly was not having those huge breakaway runs and was not really being used yeah. in the same way he was before. His target share went from 21.3% in 2019 all the way down to 13.7%. It was a huge difference. I don't want to put too much stock in that 2020 season though, because like we said, he was a bit hurt. He ended up getting surgery on that knee. I really do like Tamari and Terry, and there's a couple of reasons, because if there are things that I want my player to be lacking, it's the aspects that I think you can get coached up in. And I think you're right that he could take a little bit longer than other prospects because he does have room to grow. I think his routes could get a lot better. He only lined up on the right side. I don't know if you know sit and tape. He always yeah. lined up on the right, and it reminded me DK of Metcalf. DK Metcalf. <laughs> and of course, you can look at him at you know speed and size and try to make that comparison, but he's not DK Metcalf. No. Only DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. <laughs> yeah. He did run at least a few different routes, though. Like, I immediately can see the comparisons between Terry and Diami Brown, who we talked about probably about a month ago now, sure, where yeah. he was catching a ton of deep balls and, you know, had very long touchdowns all over the place. But Terry did run a more diverse route tree. You could see the way that they wanted to get the ball in his hands because of how explosive he was. He was running out in the flat. He was running a lot of crossing routes. He ran some sluggos, which I really enjoyed too. He was quite good at getting the corner to bite on a, you know, faking to come yeah. back and then going. He really is. A lot of that type of stuff. I think he can be very helpful for an offense, even if he doesn't hit for fantasy, because he brings that speed and size that deserves respect from the corners, that he can spread that feel, and they really need to pay attention to what he's doing. It's funny because I did talk about my best comparison being Marcus Valdez-Scantling, but I see that type of offense being quite ideal for him. Hmm. And ideally, if he hits a ceiling, he's much more than MVS because he can be. You just can't be confident that he will be because I don't see his ceiling as very different from Terrace Marshall. Sure. But his floor is very different. I totally agree. One thing I really liked about Terry and I already talked about his crossing routes and, you know, slants that he was doing, is once he had the ball in his hands, it's unlike Terrace Marshall. I loved the way he could run after the catch. He has so much ability and athleticism, and he puts it on display, and he's a very passionate guy. Honestly, you'd see him, like, getting and shoving matches with players, like, all, all that kind of stuff. He talks a lot of trash. Yeah, he was right <laughs> into it all the time, and... There's definitely no one, in my opinion, that would say he's the type of player who isn't going to give it his all 100% of the time. 
In fact, his size, the coaches did say he's great for run blocking and that type of stuff. Like, totally. And coaches want him on the field. Mm-hmm. And their their quarterback would have pretty long runs every once in a while. And it was very common to see 30 yards down the field, Terry was still blocking his ass yeah. off, which is something you love to see. You did mention his biggest detractor for me, and that's his inability at times to catch the ball. I think it's not just concentration drops. I think there's a little bit of a weird form there. And I also found at times that he struggled to track the ball quite as well as you want with wide receivers. So if that's not something you can train up, it can definitely be a problem down. You know, if he's trying to catch all these deep balls and he's struggling to find the ball out of the air, that could be a big issue if he does not resolve it. Although I do think it's an issue that he can resolve. I just think when you're in your rookie drafts and you are looking at you know, you said smaller players. I think of someone like Tylen Wallace, who NFL draft boards and most dynasty people have much higher than Tamari and Terry, but there's something about the athleticism and the ceiling I could get with Tamari and Terry that makes me very interested. I think I'm much less confident than you that he'll go in a specific round. I think this is a difficult group to discern where they're going to go that next tier down below the surefire wide receiver ones that are going to go in the first round. It would not blow me away if the Ravens in the second round are so desperate for a big wide receiver with a big catch radius that they go for Mm. one of the two players we're talking about today. And that could be Terry all the way up that early. But at the same time, if teams are very concerned with the issues that we also see on tape, he could fall and he could be a later day three guy. So It's going to be very interesting to see where all the chips fall right now. I already mentioned I have him around Diami Brown. I think that's the type of player he is. And what I like about Terry is I don't expect I'm going to have to pay the same price for Terry that I will for Brown. So once I'm in third rounds, guys like Seth Williams we talked about a couple weeks ago and Tamori and Terry are guys that I'm definitely interested in at the wide receiver position. That's it for our Rookie Spotlight portion of the episode today. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty, and might as well mention it here, there's been a ton of free agency news that's been going on. I've been reacting to all of that there, and everyone's, of course, very interested. How do these different moves impact your Dynasty rosters? On the podcast, we're locked into these rookies, but over there, I'm answering a ton of questions, uh, having a lot of fun getting in discussion there, so make sure you follow us over there. Before we close out the episode, though, of course, we're going to do our Dynasty Buy of the Week. Toby has given me five hints, and if you're interested in how all the rules of this game work, you can read that in the description below. Toby, why don't you hit me with our Dynasty Buy of the Week this week? Dynasty Buy of the Week, these hints are short. Let's make them easier. Hint number one. I'm number 28. James White. No. Hmm. That would have been a fun one to get right away. <laughs> I would have been pretty mad. <laughs> and number two. I'm a first round draft pick. Are you now? Mm-hmm. First round pick and number 28. I was just going to think Joe Mixon, but I believe he went in the second round. I'm trying to think if it's possible it's a position that isn't running back. And that is simply my own lack of football knowledge. I think most likely it's going to be a running back. Hmm, Sony Michelle's at 26. Just going back, I think it's most likely running back at that number 28. And 
I'm thinking of first round running backs the last few years because, you know, if you're going six years ago, those guys are already getting pretty old for running backs. I'm not 100% sure if this is this player's number, but I'm going to guess Josh Jacobs. You got it, damn it. That's funny well because done. I know you aren't on the Twitter like I am. I have been recommending oh. in some conversations to go get Josh Jacobs right now. Well, there won't be a lot of dissent between us. No. Um, the other hints were I finished as RB8 last year. Mm-hmm. My team just signed another running back. Yeah. And then I had, despite being a fantastic pass catcher in college, my coach almost never used me in the passing game. Perhaps he doesn't think I'm a quote-unquote grinder. Okay? <laughs> and I figured at that point... <laughs> I would have been sad if I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess I don't Jaylen need to make... Richard. <laughs> Yes, I don't need to make too much of an argument for it, but Josh Jacobs finished as the RB8, despite Devontae Booker being not just effective, but used more than you'd want. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs' role is not going to change. In fact, I actually think he's going to get slightly more touches. I disagree, but that's that's fine. Th- that's fine. I think he'll get, I mean, not like a crazy amount. What I don't think is that his production is going to go down. I think the Raiders will be better this year offensively. And why? I think as a unit, just their entire offense had a bunch of moving pieces that had not worked together for a while, and it was essentially just the Gar Waller and Jacobs show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Rugs in his second year, something's got to budge. He's dust. He's dust. But Brian Edwards, wide receiver one, baby. <laughs> could be. That, I, is, that is said in jest. I am not confident <laughs> that day. I, I I just believe I believe the Raiders are going to level up a little bit. I also know that I think their own line they're going to have that fixed up by the time it's actually time for the season. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is an amazing athlete, and like Gruden's style of coaching or not, he's going to have decently fresh legs because he's not being burnt out. Unlike other running backs, you could go, oh, it's about time for an injury. Not Josh Jacobs. He doesn't get hit as many times because he's not catching as many balls. Maybe not getting on the field as much as you'd like. Kenyon Drake is not going to come in and be like this two-headed threat. People are low on Josh Jacobs. They are afraid of being a Jacobs owner right now. And I think that fear will dispel in the coming months. And you should go get him right now if you can. His price will be lower right now than it is, I think, until the start of the season. Do you think his value is going to go up from now till then? Yes, because I don't think they're going to draft a running back. No. I don't I think they're going to sign anyone. And I think it's just like you have this reaction to the news. And then once it gets to the start of the season, people will be sure. more level-headed and say, you know what? Who's a better running back? Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake? Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. So as I said, I've already been making this argument on Twitter. So 100%, I go into him as a buy. And it pretty much comes down to the fact that everyone was way too high on Jacobs before, and now they're overreacting to the opposite way. I was never into Jacobs. He was going at like the end of the first, somewhere in the second round in startup draft. And it was too early for a guy that we all wanted to project was going to be used in the passing game. And I get it. It makes sense. He was good at that in college. But newsflash, it doesn't matter if the coach that is running him out on the field right now is simply not going to pass the ball his way. I just think he's going to be in the exact same role. Jalen Richard isn't that relevant, but Devontae Booker last year was very annoyingly relevant. (laughs) Josh Jacobs averaged 
being on the field in the games that he was healthy about 60% of the time of every game. And I think that's about right. He's going to get about 60% of the work. Drake's probably going to get about 35 and Jalen Richard's going to get about five. Yep. And that is the exact same. So why, because you have Drake instead of Booker in the same role, are you taking a guy yeah. a year ago in the second round and now in, I saw the eighth in someone's, a legitimate startup draft. He was going in the eighth round. That's highway robbery at that point. Yeah. He's just still a young player who yeah. is going to get a second contract in the NFL in a couple of years and it might not be that top five running back who's getting insane target share and everything else but he's going to be the majority of the timeshare and that's exactly what he's been his entire career so it's the same guy and everyone needs to stop overreacting putting his value down the tank when it's just the same role he had last year well we seem extremely on the same page for this one mm-hmm. and yeah if you can get josh jacobs like, why not? Making these off-season moves while people don't have the frame of reference of actual football games to watch, you can you can catch some people sleeping. You can find inefficiencies for sure right now. And I do think the overreaction to Drake is one of them. Yeah. That's it, everyone, though. That is our 49th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. I know that next week we are going to get into quarterbacks and newsflash. We haven't talked about Trevor Lawrence yet, so there is one. Uh, who's and- that guy? I actually haven't heard of him. Oh, well, uh, you might have fun with this tape then. (laughs) And the second guy we'll be talking about is Kyle Trask, who I think is interesting as well, especially because he's probably not going in the first round, maybe not the second round of the NFL draft. So you might be able to get him at pretty good value in your Superflex leagues. So it'll be interesting to get into as well. A quick put you on the spot. Sure. Does Deshaun Watson play next year? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. If I have to guess, I'm yeah. not confident, but like if, if yeah, I it's have just to a guess, yes or no. It's yeah. a, I mean, mm-hmm. I actually I was you know I'm always on Reddit, I'm always on Twitter looking at fantasy stuff, and I saw a comment actually like, why are no podcasts talking about Deshaun Watson? And it's because people who are fantasy experts know more than your average fantasy player. However, we don't know more about this Watson situation. We can't give you incredible insight. I feel like. If I was in a startup right now and the sketchiness around his name was dropping his value significantly, I don't know how far it would be, but I'd probably be taking him because in a super flex startup, without this, he's a top five pick. With this, I don't know how far he's falling. So that's my current level of how I look at him. But yeah, Yeah. I don't know more than any of you. That's the problem. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter. Get in touch with us on Reddit, and we'll see you again next week. Peace. Thanks, guys.